Reflect Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, you might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> oh, hey, Flexes. We're recording. Hey, you Hey. <laughs> Why won't you reply to us, guys? I said hello. Are you there? Hello? Anyone? Hello? Uh, anyways, for those watching on YouTube, you'll see that the shadow of my eyelashes is making it look like I've got really bad eye bags. See what yeah. It does look like you have really bad eye bags. Sometimes I do. Today's not <laughs> one of those days. Yeah. Uh, how you doing, Dean? I'm good. Good. I'm, I'm also good. This is podcast number two for me today. Just recorded a podcast with uh, the boys from What's Up. What's Up? Yeah. What'd you talk about? Absolutely everything fitness industry related. Okay. Mm. It was kind of, I said to them, it's like, very general. I literally said, good luck trying to title this. We talked about like the use of pharmacology in the fitness industry. Uh, is there a healthier way to exit post comp strategies? Uh, we talked about, I clarified the difference between what people believe intuitive eating is and then why we coined the term informed eating. Um, weight maintenance, post dieting, life after dieting. That's a lot, Dean. But anyway, they're actually going to, yeah, probably get you on to talk about that stuff because you're better at it than me. Am I? You're better at it. I'm betterist. Yeah, you're the betterist. <laughs> I like it. So the topic that we're going to talk about today is mindset and specifically split into uh, three different topics. I think you mean specifically. Specifically. Okay, so this joke is coming from my cousin. She, I don't know if she doesn't know or she gets confused between specific and pacific. Mm. And she says the specific highway. I'm like, no, it's not the specific highway. I think you can get away with it when you've got an accent. Anyways, yeah, she has a British accent. Uh, we're going to talk about mindset around nutrition, two different ways, sorry, we can think about that. Dean's uh, getting me in trouble for clicking my pen. It's very loud. Uh, the second one is a mindset around being all in, so the all or nothing mindset or a more flexible mindset. And the third one being, should we focus on the outcome or should we focus on the process in which mindset should we be in there? But first, tell me what's going on in your personal life, Dean. So I met a girl. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Took my ring off when I met a girl. Good luck, sir. I didn't. I forgot to put it back on. <laughs> I don't wear my ring anymore either. It's true. It's because you're fucking jacked. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's my excuse. For the listeners, I take it off on like back and arm day because like pulling work really hurts to wear the ring. But also I can't wear any jewelry in BJJ. And so I end up taking it on and off like so often. I just keep it off. So just to clarify there for those at home. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Your ring gets in the way of B. pulling and BJJ. <laughs> Precisely. Sometimes there will be a dick joke or two in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But anyway, what's going on in my life? Man, I've been hitting the repeat button 24-7 for the last few weeks. Mm. Same food, just more of it. Same level of training, just harder. And that's about it. Yeah. I'm on the game train. I'm up to 106 and a half. Good for you. Joe seems to believe that I'll make 115, which I know you're happy about. I am. I think that will be extremely uncomfortable, but I'm willing and able to uh, attempt to get there. When you get heavy, I've never seen you at 115 before. No. But I know when you get heavier, you snore more and it impacts my sleep. But I think it's worth it to have a bigger person by my side. <laughs> there's, there's some trade-offs that you've got to make. She's you know? a superficial woman, this one. Nah, it's all right. Woman's got needs. It's not what's uh, inside the chest, but rather the pecs that cover it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what's going on? Did you make that up? Yeah, I just made that up. Yeah. 
<laughs> I put that on a t-shirt. I like it. It's what's not. It's not what's inside the chest. It's the facts that cover it. Yeah. Sure. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, it has to be followed with the titty dance. Mm. Mm. The Terry Crews titty dance. What's going on with you? Um, well, gosh, I mean, we're all in Corona. No one's traveling. I don't feel like I've got too much exciting news mm. to really tell you. Um, um, trying to figure out what the heck we're doing for Christmas because we're recording this now right at the end of October, beginning of November, and we're going to probably release this like middle of November. Trying to figure out what we're doing for Christmas because we can't travel and mm. everyone's everyone's staying home. Oh, I did find out one interesting uh, piece of information today that is worth sharing. When you compete in a competition, like let's say powerlifting or bodybuilding or whatever, you're weighing your own body weight on the scales. When you compete in jiu-jitsu, from my understanding this morning, from what the boys were telling me. In this one Pacific competition. In this one Pacific competition. When you enter as a group, like, you know, you're a group from this particular gym and then there's a second group from that particular gym. It's a combined weight. So five competitors can't weigh any more than 400 kilos combined. So if one person isn't pulling their weight, no pun intended, and isn't dropping weight like they should, the other four people in the group of five need to lose even more. Mm. Isn't that interesting? It's not fair. It's not fair at all. Well, it's not fair if you've got one lazy bastard that's still eating pizza the whole way through. Yeah, I mean, luckily, BJJ is not a typically a larger individual sport because like four people over, uh, sorry, five people over 400 kilos, was it? Five people, 400 kilos max in total. Yeah, that's 80 kilos on average. Yeah. So actually, like, it's, it's fairly tight. Mm, it is. If you have one dude that's a hungry. Mm. Yeah, trouble. but to answer your question, what's going on with my life? <laughs> kind of same as you. Mm-hmm. Repeat, but luckily both of us quite enjoy our day-to-day lives, so it's not a problem that we're on the repeat. It is true. Yeah. Yeah. I um, As always, continuing to get injuries, I got aggressively armbarred in class the other night. So my elbow got slightly hyperextended and um, I woke up the next, it hurt at the time, but I was all right. I woke up the next day and I had very limited range in my arm. I could hardly bend or extend it. And it was arm day the next day. I had already trained every body part. Mm. So I just trained my left arm because my, my right arm was out of action. It's true. What about getting one bigger arm though? Ah, uh, from one, one training session? I don't think so. All or nothing, Liz. All or nothing. <laughs> okay. Whatever. All right. Shall we introduce the topic? We're going to... What do we want to start with, Dean? How we want Well, wanna... this is the mindset around consumption of food. Mindset around consumption of food? Or we yeah. could start with mindset, like the all or nothing mindset, or the outcome versus process. All or nothing mindset. And then I think that leads into the food concept. If you say so. Yeah. Cool. Uh, maybe starting with clients that say they're 110%. <laughs> I fucking hate that terminology. I know, it's your pet hate. Look at you trying to poke the bear. (laughs) Let me just say, it has been my experience that when a client has come through an onboarding process as a coach, that those that say they'll give 110% on everything, e.g. training, nutrition, whatever it is. Stress management, sleep. Some form of adherence, is that they almost always have the smallest percentage of adherence compared to those that just say, I'll do the best I can. Yeah. First of all, 100% is 100%. You can't do more than that. Like, I can't. How do, how do you get 110% of macro adherence? If anything, it means that you're not adherent. I don't know. Anyway, so the point being is this all or nothing attitude of, the, I'll do everything, coach, I'll die by the sword. You know, like, 
I'll do anything you say. If you say I don't like that food, I'll gag on it until it falls down my throat. Yeah. Like that is such an unnecessary mindset. And typically I find that it, that person fears maybe not being perfect. Mm. When in actual fact, if they were just like 90% or 95% all the time, they'd probably do a lot better than trying 80%. to be a hundred percent most of the time and then 50% some mm. of the time. That's been my experience with clients as well. And I end up pulling people up on it pretty quickly and say, hey, I don't expect 110% from you. Yeah. I don't expect perfection from you. What I expect from you is effort. And when something gets in the way, I expect you to make the, take the next best step or find some sort of compromise. Because in our coaching experience, when people are all... Uh, all in, it means that when they're not all in, they're nothing. Mm. Like they're all or nothing. Um, now we can give so many different examples with this. Let's say I had one, two square too many of chocolate. What yeah, do I do now? Eat the whole fucking block because <laughs> you've already ruined it. You've had two squares of chocolate too many, so you may as well binge for a week. Could you imagine if you were like out on a like a, a, a distant road in the country, right? Uh huh. And you realize that you put just a little bit too little petrol in. You might make it if you don't throttle too hard all the way, but you just go, fuck this, let's floor it the whole way and just hope for the best. Yeah. You know, you'd never do that. No, you wouldn't. Or let's say I'm trying to improve how much sleep I'm getting and I set a bedtime for 10 p.m. and it, I look at my clock and I'm like, oh, my God, it's 10.15. I would just go to bed then. Like mm -hmm. I'm 15 minutes late. I'm not going to go, oh, I've already missed my bedtime. Let's just stay up till 2. We'll start again tomorrow. Let's start again tomorrow. <laughs> That's the all or nothing mindset, whereas people who have a flexible mindset or who make compromises – they tend to get to bed at 10.15 or stop at two squares of chocolate or just train one arm when they can't train both. Mm -hmm. And doing something is always better than doing nothing. And we find because life has so many obstacles, we can only be all in or be perfect or do 110% of the work mm -hmm. for maybe a few days, at best, what, like two weeks before something goes wrong at a time. And something will go wrong. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens... Of course, we're going to get a better outcome by doing something instead of doing nothing. Yeah. And understanding that it's the sort of sum of average over time that's going to achieve the greatest result hmm. or the most consistent result. Hmm. And consistency is where a lot of people fall down in our industry because the all or nothing attitude also applies to weight loss. And that if you want to go hard for six weeks, like, yeah, you can do that for six weeks, but then what? Do you then go hard in the opposite direction? Yeah, but at the cost of what as well? Exactly. Because training and nutrition is important to us and probably the people that are listening to this as well, our audience. But we also have families and sex lives and personal hygiene and hobbies to engage in as well. And if we're putting 110% of our energy, time and attention into training and nutrition, it's coming at the cost of other things. So we really need to be able to juggle everything as best we can and, mm. and all or nothing just doesn't work. Yeah, I think the biggest issue is it's the mental um, association with the all or nothing mentality in mm. that when you do miss the mark, that's considered failure. Yeah. And then that failure then wanes on you, so then you give up momentarily. Yeah. And then you think the solution is to go back hard again. Yeah. When you actually learn that the all or nothing attitude doesn't really typically achieve you the greatest results, it's actually really easy to not be perfect. Yeah. Or to not do so well. You're like, oh, cool. I think it's kind of comes back to, we've spoken about this before in a few other podcasts. It's like this conscious intentionality of or understanding the why. And as soon as you're okay with it, you can just move forward. Mm, a tagline that I have with my clients on this note is progress, not perfection. Mm -hmm. If they have a really terrible habits around sleep, I can't ex expect perfection with their sleep overnight. Mm 
I'm just expecting progress because very rarely is someone going to be perfect with anything a lot of the mm. time. And if I'm saying, well, you failed, you weren't perfect, you failed, you, you know, you weren't perfect, how long are they going to keep trying for? But small baby steps over time gets us closer. And also success or failure, like you said, isn't being perfect or doing nothing at all. It's a, a threshold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's an average trend. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a particular believer in the all or nothing mentality. No. Well, not a supporter of it. No. Mm. Yeah. Which that sort of, I suppose that does tie a little bit into the flexible versus rigid approach uh-huh. that we're going to talk about because it's kind of a bit of an all or nothing attitude towards nutrition. Yeah. So a lot of people have uh, dichotomous thinking around food. Food is good or it's bad or... Um, you have to be high carb or low carb. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. You can only eat Grains and you can not eat grains. I've never met anybody that actually said they could only eat grains. They <laughs> can only eat grain, grain only diet. Like oh a, man, like the pork house. Well, there's people that think they can only eat meat. There are the carnivorous cuckoos. Cuckoos. Yeah, they're a bit cuckoo. Those guys. They're a bit cuckoo. I thought um, when when we're going to introduce this topic now around rigid versus flexible restraint, I would read out a page about a page and a half from a study. Um, Eric Helms was one of the three um, researchers. Yes, this is like a review of the literature. Yeah, so it's towards a sustainable nutrition paradigm in physique sports. It's it's not a um, Mm meta-analysis. It's a narrative review. Uh, And I just wanted to read you this part that outlines dietary restraint and um, flexible control. It Mm -hmm. goes like this. Success as a bodybuilder depends on, at least in part, the ability to successfully restrain eating. However, as previously discussed, this is from like page nine, by the way, so there was a bunch of previous discussion. Dietary restraint is um, not a unitary construct. It can be usefully divided into two components, rigid control and flexible control. Rigid dietary control behaviors include disciplined energy intake counting, eating only diet foods to prevent weight gain, avoiding uh, desired energy-dense food, and fasting or skipping meals for weight-related purposes. This approach stands in contrast to flexible dietary control, which is defined by behaviours such as eating a wide variety of food while still paying attention to one's weight, taking smaller serving sizes than desired, and compensating in later meals for consuming quote-unquote healthier foods if quote-unquote unhealthier foods were consumed earlier. In that regard, a flexible flexible approach to dieting is considered to be more adaptive and sustainable than the rigid approach. So that's one paragraph, and there's a a little bit more that I wanted to read out to kind of explain the costs and benefits of it. Um, But maybe before we get there, Dean, you can talk to us about an experience you've had with a client that's had rigid eating behaviours in the past and how that's gone for them. Well... Like I said, similar to the beginning of this conversation, the rigid approach is essentially going to label a an arbitrary list of foods that you can and cannot eat. Mm. And it's going to obviously be within a caloric level of restriction too. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is the moment the opportunity arises whereby you can't consume one of those foods to the given amount that you previously decided is the rigid amount that you can consume, most people just go, oh, shit. It's what the all or nothing do? mentality. I can't hit my diet, therefore I will just eat whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. Yeah. Um, and, and that is just very, very, very risky. I'm super hesitant with clients when I've started them off on a what I would perceive to be an otherwise 
fairly well-balanced diet. And they say to me, I would not like any changes for about eight weeks. Yeah. Because I'm kind of like, really? No changes for eight weeks? You're trying to tell me your life is that organized? Mm. Um, and yeah, it almost always either results in them having a moment of just saying, fuck it, throwing the hands, or essentially just not telling the truth, both myself and themselves, mm. and doing it anyway, but nobody knows, mm. which are equally just about each other. Yeah. And what do you do on your birthday when your nan rocks up with cake at your door or Christmas mm. Day or... I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many events like New Year's Eve. You're going to have a drink. Like someone with flexible control would consume a little less food because they know they're going to be drinking alcohol because they don't have the all or nothing mm-hmm. mindset. Well, here's a story for you for a coach who fucked this up. We have a, a friend. He was in a contest preparation. He was supposed to be eating steak for breakfast. I Do believe. I know this friend? Yeah. And it was Christmas. His family had. I know. I his know family had bacon. Yeah. He decided. That's a fairly swim, similar caloric value. I might just swap my steak for bacon this day. And he went back, told his coach, and his coach lost his absolute shit at him. He was just like, what are you fucking doing that for? You're not and even also, committed. like, you're not even committed. Like, how do you expect to possibly get lean if you can't even commit by having bacon on Christmas Day? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, now, what is that person supposed to do if they live by those sets of rules? Yeah, how long can they do you that? Don't live for? life, that's for sure. But also, just looking at uh, if results would be impacted by swapping steak for bacon once. No, of course not. Uh, you could argue the other way, that if you actually then had some food that you otherwise enjoyed, one, would you digest it better? Yes. Two, would you enjoy life better? Yes. Three, yeah. would you be less stressed? Yes. Would you make better decisions? Probably. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, the, the opportunity for flexibility is often what I see to have the biggest impact on somebody's relationship with food. Mm. Mm. Enjoyment yeah. definitely matters. A lot of people think like, uh, how I feel doesn't matter at all. I'm just going to get it done. I'm going to grind. Um, but you're not a robot. Mm. How long can you do that for? Yeah, my answer is always, I don't need you to do that. Mm. And it's it's quite scary how often they're, they're like, no, but I, but I will. <laughs> you, know, you had this post the other day about the bodybuilding uh, food not being, or the bodybuilding dietary approach not being suitable for gen pop. Uh-huh. And yeah. this is similar. And people still believe that that level of restriction is necessary, is for, necessary weight loss. for weight loss. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'll just read on a little bit. Mm-hmm. We just had to take a quick break uh, to go about our world domination, and now we're king and queen of the world. <laughs> I had to pee. That's not true. <laughs> All right, let's go. Okay, it goes like this. A solid study... Oh, sorry. My eyes are just going a bit funny here. A solid body of research indicates that a rigid approach to dieting is associated with adverse outcomes in both male and females. For example, fasting for long periods of time, a rigid controlled behavior, has been shown to prospectively predict binge eating and related behaviors in adolescent girls and women with bulimia and binge eating disorder. Moreover, cross-sectional research examining the impact of a specific rigid control behavior, namely meal skipping, has linked this behavior with increased frequency of binge eating in women with binge eating disorder. And with depressive symptoms, anxiety symptoms, and quality of life impairment with women with anorexia and bulimia. Finally, numerous other cross-sectional studies using the rigid control subscale of the cognitive restraint scale, which assesses a broad range of inflexible dieting behaviors, have reported consistent and robust links between rigid control and numerous adverse health outcomes in both male and female participants including disordered eating behaviors and attitudes like binge eating, disinhibited eating, dichotomous thinking, and body image concerns. Psychological distress, uh, like depressive and anxiety symptoms, and poorer well-being. 
Taken together, the available evidence suggests that a rigid approach to dieting may be potentially detrimental. Just another paragraph, a small one. On the other hand, there's evidence to suggest that flexible dieting, uh, dietary approach may be healthier to adopt than the rigid approach. For example, several cross-sectional studies of students and general populations have reported associations between flexible dietary control and positive health outcomes, including lower levels of disordered eating, body image concerns, body weight, and psychological distress. Last couple of sentences. Moreover, in people with binge eating disorder, increases in flexible dietary control using the course of cognitive behavioral therapy were associated with binge eating abstinence and greater percentage of weight loss. Uh, we'll skip the last little bit. So that really shows there uh, how much of an impact your mindset around food has yep. on binge eating, anorexia, bulimia, perceived weight loss. Yeah, because this is the recognition that obviously you require a level of restraint calorically to achieve a particular outcome in regards to a physical goal. Even but, weight maintenance. You know, weight maintenance yeah. and also you know, body composition manipulation. Mm. But the constituents of your diet and how you set up your, your opportunity to consume whatever food you may wish to on that day are likely going to have the largest impact on potentially how you handle that stress. Because mm. we live in what we call an obesogenic environment Everywhere around us, there's opportunities to move less. There's cars, there's washing machines. Like Our life is so convenient. And there's opportunities to consume more calories, not just because fruit and vegetables are easy to get. We don't have to climb a tree to get an apple, but because Mars bars are 50 cents, sometimes on sale, and a salad is eight bucks, mm. you know? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I'd probably rather eat a Mars bar. What about a Mars bar salad? No. That's not possible. You have to have at least two chocolates. You could have a chocolate salad. You couldn't have a Mars bar salad. Yeah, fair Unless, point. of course, there was multiple different types of Mars bar. I would eat a chocolate salad. Mm. I particularly like a good Starburst fruit salad. I think that... <laughs> I know, you know, sometimes the Starburst lollies <laughs> listeners come in fruit uh, shapes. Yeah. Dean calls it a fruit salad. It's for the bulkers. It's for the, for the perma bulkers. Oh my God. The dream bulkers. I think we're getting off track here a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, I've often said in prep that... um. When people have asked me, do you crave anything? Typically the answer is like genuinely no. I don't crave particular food. Because whatever food you're craving, you can have. Yes. I just understand that that comes with a different level of restraint. If I want the Mars bar, that means I'm going to have to restrain a certain amount of food volume. Yeah. Because yeah, then you can't eat all the other stuff. But I might get that fleeting sense of happiness that I've been missing out on in my very depressed life of dieting. No. That's true. Crap life. Um, but, but what you do crave is just the, the more aspect. Yeah. And that's just... An unfortunate circumstance with diet. Oh, well, that's dialed up in prep. Of course. For sure. Yeah. But in, I'm, I've been maintaining my weight for a while, which has been my goal. And even I need to show... So that means that I'm not excessively hungry because I'm just maintaining my body weight. I'm not dieting. But because there's delicious calorie-dense food all around me, I um, still have to say no to stuff that I want or I need to have a half a portion of something when I'd rather have a full portion. Yeah, I'm for sure not supportive of your need to maintain by constantly consuming an abundance of food. What do you mean? As in, the, I'm, I'm essentially the opposite. I'm on the game track. Oh, you need to. I've got an abundance of food that's going in all the time. And you're not hungry. And there you are just like, yeah, you enjoy those two bagels, motherfucker. I know, what a prick. But yeah, the point here is, is that the, the opportunity of choice 
often relinquishes you of the stress of that dieting part. Because I know I, I'm, it's not that I can't have it. It's not against the rules. I can have it. But it means that I'll either need to accept a bit of weight gain mm. or I'll need to take something else out later. And I just have to decide, am I willing to sacrifice something later? Sometimes mm -hmm. yes, sometimes no. And then even if you slightly overconsume, that's okay because the sum of average is going to come back into play here and you just continue on to the next day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's rigid versus flexible control. And I hope that we've given you guys an overview of the two different mindsets towards food and the costs and benefits of adopting either one. Mm. Finally, we're going to move on to mindset subtopic number three, outcome versus process. And maybe before we get there and tell you which one we think <laughs> might be better to focus on, have a think about it. If you're trying to achieve something, should we be focusing on the outcome? Should we be outcome driven? Mm. Or should we be process driven? Should we be focusing on all the many little things we need to do in order to get there? What do you think? Should we play some music, some thinking music? Um, sing us a song, Dean. Sing me a song, the song of the sea, the fingers. <laughs> Where did you come up with that? Because you said sing me a song, and as soon as I ever hear that, sing me a song, it just I immediately go on the bird's eye fingers. Okay. Can't say I'm a fan of that food. Oh, I am. I'm I'm digging uh, fish fingers personally. Barbecue sauce or tomato sauce? Oh, tomato sauce with lemon or without lemon? Lemon, definitely. Lots of lemon, excessive amounts of lemon. It's good with salt or without salt. Nah, it's already salted enough. It's all good. Alongside vegetables or chips? Oh, of course, chips. I'm not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. All right. Process versus outcome. In order to introduce this subtopic, I thought I would read, I know there's a lot of reading in today's podcast, a post that I wrote a while ago on this topic because I don't think I can do a better job off cuff than I did in this post that took me a while to think about writing. It goes like this. Process, not outcome. There's a spoiler alert for you right there. Facebook memories reminded me that it's three years to the day that I entered a log and deadlift championship. I was new to the sport of strongman and wanted to try something new because bodybuilding was so outcome driven. Focusing on the outcome, which is how big you could grow your muscles slash how simultaneously lean you were, had me perpetually dissatisfied because I wasn't at the optimal end outcome or end result outcome yet, which is hilarious because in bodybuilding, it's never enough. You can always be bigger. You can always be leaner. This dissatisfaction had me no longer enjoying the process anymore which led me to put in half ass training sessions and letting my nutrition slip, taking, taking me further from the outcome I wanted. This was a huge problem because I didn't start training and eating well for the outcome. I did it because it made me feel better and I enjoyed the process, but being outcome driven dimmed my light. Training for the strongman championship, I decided to focus and commit to the process and whatever the outcome was, it was my best. My best happened to be an Australian record at the time in my weight class of under 62 and a half kilos. And if I continued to be outcome driven, I probably would have burnt out during training, missed my lifts and ended off with a worse, ended up with a worse off outcome. This is not some lifting motivational post. Focusing on the process is relevant to so many things, a uni degree, fat loss, saving for a house or improving your relationships. Having an outcome in mind isn't a bad thing in and of itself, but if you don't commit to the process, the odds are not in your favor. This is why me and the other Flex Success coaches measure a successful week for our clients based off process variables, not the outcome alone, like scale weight. This isn't a sexy concept or an easy psychological transition to make, but in my opinion, it's a vital one. Mm. What do you think, Dean? I agree wholeheartedly. Do you? 
I mean, it's a, it's a no brainer for me, even, for, even in a quest for an aesthetic or cosmetic goal that I have, my focus each day is typically on the processes that I need to achieve mm. and then ticking those off and being happy with those processes. And it just so happens that my outcome tends to result in a positive outcome. I hate to use the word twice. Well, I mean, if our um, focus is on outcome, we're not focusing on how we get to that outcome and we're going to miss little things and not actually get there. Also, the dissatisfaction of where you're currently at because you're not at the outcome mm. often then impacts the process. Like yeah. you said, you just said, I trained a little bit less, I ate a little bit more freely. Mm. And then when I switched to strongman and changed yeah. my focus. And like even, so if we, did, if we did draw a parallel to my current, pro, uh, my, my current outcome, if my outcome is 115 kilos, I'm essentially unhappy for the next seven and a half kilos. Yeah. Every day I'm unhappy until I've achieved that goal. But if I'm okay with focusing on the process and giving myself that pat on the back for nailing my dailies, the average over time, if I do it well, you're successful all the way up until 115. Yeah. Because mm. I focus on the process, then the outcome will also be achieved. So I get a double win. We can also think about if anyone's uh, read the seven habits of highly effective people, our locus of control, some things like the economy, the shit Donald Trump says, like it's outside of our control and focusing on those things, like outcome is outside of our locus mm. of control. The things we do have control over, like the process variables, how much food we eat, how much sleep we get, how we train, our stress management, all that stuff is going to equal the outcome. Mm -hmm. the, or it's going to equal the, um, what am I trying to say here? Well, it's exactly yeah. that. I think, I mean, let's draw a parallel then to even just like a training periodized plan. I think what I'm trying to say is they're the stuff that's going to get you there. Yeah. Focusing on the stuff that's going to get you there is what's helpful. Whereas focusing on the end result, like how are you going to get there unless you focus on the little stuff? Mm. I think it becomes more difficult for people to um, like divorce the two in a, in a subjective outcome goal. So like in a bodybuilding goal, it's aesthetic and it's very subjective as to whether or not it's successful or not, unless you have... A number on it like mine for 115 kilos right whereas when it's quite objective like a powerlifter yeah most powerlifters they say this is the outcome i'd wish to achieve 300 kilo deadlift. right then they say what process is required to achieve that and then each week they focus on the progression of the process mm. and then the final week the final day they get to test to see whether the process achieved the outcome but they're otherwise happy 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 by nailing the process the outcome is just the last one mm -hmm. maybe they're happy maybe they're not depends if they get there but then they can at least then reevaluate the process used to determine whether or not they can now achieve the outcome again next mm. time. So but I think anything that's subjective, weight loss, happiness. Well, weight loss isn't subjective, but. Well, I mean the look in regards to yeah, the body right. fat like, reduction. If you, leanness is subjective. Yeah. Like getting lean is subjective. Yeah, it's, it's probably even more important that you really step back and focus on the process so that the outcome doesn't ruin your joy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I think I mentioned in the post, it dimmed my light. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Bodybuilding's, bodybuilding's a really tough one for, for men and women. I mean, I can only talk for women because I've only ever been a woman. Um, but we're judged as women so harshly on how we look. And it doesn't, oh, I feel, especially in bodybuilding, no one gives a fuck like how generous or genuine or trustworthy or intelligent you are. Everyone just cares how big your legs are or how symmetrical your upper body to your lower body is. And you're, there's always a competitor uh, that has better genetics or takes photos in better lighting or just recycles comp photos year round. And so mm. you never see their off season body. And it's so easy to compare yourself to those unrealistic standards. 
Yep. And um, yeah, bodybuilding just fucking really got to me, hey? Well, I, I mean, you really do have to be able to divorce yourself from that because I was talking to the boys today, like I said on the podcast, right? And they said, oh, would you compete again? And I said, oh, I won't say no. Mm. I said, the hilarious thing is though, that even if I had the best ever next 10 months and I competed in, I like first competed at 89.9 kilos, if I got to 99.9, I'd be like, a tremendous improvement. Yeah. I reckon I'd look pretty damn good. Yeah. And then I said, but if James Newcomb shows up, everyone loses. <laughs> yeah. Like he's got it in the bag. <laughs> imagine if I was so outcome focused. Yeah. Well, every year I've come second every time I've competed. And that could ruin. No, you won Queensland. Oh yeah, sorry, at the nationals. But um but yeah, the the unfortunate reality is in the space in which I compete in is that there's just people that are better because they were bored. <laughs> They're just genetically better. And if I was solely outcome focused, I'd never do it. Yeah. Yeah, mm. exactly. But um, just quickly. Fuck you, James Newcomb. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> but also thanks for existing. <laughs> My eyes like you. Um, I mentioned process variables being some things that we talk about with our clients. Now, let's say a client didn't lose any weight that week, but they made progress in the amount of, you know, vegetables they consumed. They got to bed earlier. They managed their stress well. It's just a matter of maybe a few more days until that weight drops. It's still a successful week. We would still say well done to that client. That's Mm. a great week. It's not just the outcome that matters. Or alternatively, if a client, you know, didn't do their food prep and they ended up only eating two Mars bars a day, they're going to lose weight because their calories are low, but they didn't maintain the daily habits that we asked them to, or that's necessary for health. They didn't sleep well, whatever, whatever. Even if the scales went down, that's not a successful week. Mm. The outcome was successful if they're after weight loss, but we wouldn't say congratulations to that client. We would have a, you know, a come to Jesus talk with that client. (laughs) Yeah, because the outcome in this instance is fleeting. The process is what will help sustainability. Long-term, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So there were the three subtopics that we wanted to talk about. The all or nothing mindset, the rigid versus flexible control, and the process versus outcome. Hmm. And I hope it's been some, pun intended, food for thought for you guys. (laughs) Um, Maybe this already aligns with the way that you're thinking. Or if it doesn't, maybe just have a think about the benefits in trying to adjust your mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to add, Dean? I'm better than you. No, I don't know. I've got nothing. <laughs> okay. I've got nothing. Great. No, that'll do. Something worth sharing. Share something with me, Dean. Uh, Body parts not accepted. Okay. <laughs> I'll show you something that they can't see. Because <laughs> it's so tiny. So. Luckily, we don't have HR. <laughs> okay. Share something. Um, I got asked recently on my Friday Q&A on Instagram, a new person to the industry, what should they do in regards to education? Okay. Um, and I think my top tips were this top tip. Number one, go to Coursera, which we've mentioned a few times, I believe in this podcast, which offers free university uh, courses, usually six week. Sometimes they cost money too. If you want to pay for the certificate, you can and do the how to learn uh, course because I think it's really important that people do learn how to learn first. Otherwise you could just be fucking treading water for a very long time, not Mm -hmm. realizing why you're not learning. That was step number one. Step number two then was to buy a whole bunch of material that interests you, anatomy, nutrition. At that time, that person was... What sort of material? That person was specifically asking for nutrition material, so I said buy all of Lyle McDonald's books that interest them. Right, right, right. Buy uh, a cadaver for anatomy. Yeah. My third <laughs> one was to invest in mentors. Okay. Because mentors will be able to tell you what you need to know without you having to sift through the bullshit. Or mentors. 
Mentos are good if you're looking at a fresh breath. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's my, that was my three top tips. Great. Learn how to learn, get material, and then hire a mentor in varying uh, fields. avenues. Fields. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Now ask me. Liz, have you got something to share? Oh, I wish you didn't ask me. I don't have anything prepared. <laughs> um, as you were talking, I actually did think of something and now it's escaped me. It's because I showed you Oh, no, no, no. I've got it. I've got it. Um, I'm, as I've mentioned, I'm juggling two sports. Well, not really. I'm juggling trying to maintain my muscle mass. So I'm still practicing the sport of bodybuilding, just a lower amount of working sets per week and, uh, trying not to be so incredibly shit at jujitsu. And that means I'm doing like nine sessions a week between lifting and jujitsu. And I work full time and I hug my dog a lot. And I was really pushed for time. And I've always been one for um, organization, working as a personal trainer and like within 15 minute time lots, I've always had to be really organized with my diary. And so I found it really helpful just to write down which BJJ sessions I was going to do, which lifting sessions I was going to do when and which body part and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I quickly shared it on my Instagram, like woohoo, starting a new training timetable. And I had quite a few clients message me and say, this is such a great idea. Like I've just written down my week and I feel so much more organized. I don't think I'm going to miss as many sessions in my head. I think the curse of knowledge was biting me in the ass. I was thinking like, what, you haven't done this before? Mm. Like surely this is something that everyone does. So something worth sharing is if you feel a little bit frazzled or disorganized or like you don't have enough time to fit everything in, get a piece of paper or do it digitally if that's what you prefer and just write it down and commit to your timetable. And as during the writing process, you might think actually maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew. Maybe I'm going to do a little bit less because it needs to obviously be realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, organization is something we're sharing. It's goody. There's definitely a lot of value in putting things to paper. Mm. Oh, sure. Funny questions. Yes. We haven't got no ones planned. No, we don't have anything planned for these questions. All right. right. I'm going to ask you. Oh, you asked me that. Would you rather? Yeah. Have an arm for a leg or a leg for an arm? Ooh, fuck. I'd probably rather have, so as in I have two normal legs, one normal arm and then a third, no? Just one, you're swapping one out. Okay. So you either get two legs and then one arm and one leg up top, or you've got two arms and then one arm and one leg down the bottom, like a monkey leg. All right, can I choose my left or my right side? Yeah, for sure. All right, I would choose to have, Three legs, but my left arm is a leg. Right. I'm keeping my right arm. Why would you want another leg? I could punch people in the face. No, you could kick them. Oh, yeah, that. I could kick them in the face. But you can't grab them. You know, there's no, uh, like, dexterity. There's still a lot you can do with, like, an ankle. But imagine having three arms. Well, no, you can't walk properly because your arms are different lengths to your legs. And, like... Yeah, but so is your left. Your your wrist wasn't built to have that much impact constantly on it, like a ankle no it just wouldn't work well Dean I reckon I'd go a leg arm leg arm an yeah. arm leg an arm leg yeah I think that's a poor they're the same thing <laughs> a leg arm and an arm leg is the same thing you're choosing to have an arm instead of a leg I'm choosing to have a leg yeah I'm going like part monkey part human I'm saying that's a bad choice you're going part alien part okay human. would you rather have a missing front tooth or a googly eye oh t- tooth easy You'd rather have a missing front Googly tooth? Googly eyes, oh, yeah. Oh, a missing front tooth is fucked. i got a big gap anyway. Yeah, but you look like a supermodel. You know those supermodels? I heard gaps? it means you're going to be rich. It means you're really intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> I also <laughs> heard that if you eat your crust, you'll get a hairy chest. 
<laughs> Didn't work, mum and dad. <laughs> Where's the hair? Or is it you don't eat your crust, you're going to hair? I crust. always think of your chest like Homer Simpson's head. You know how he just has those like two long hairs? Because oh, every now and again I'll see like a random hair. I was like, how is that so long? <laughs> but there's no other hairs. <laughs> That's true. So great. Similar to your uh, upper lip. Fuck off. <laughs> It's not true. It's not true. She doesn't have a single hair. She has lots of hair. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. They don't call her Lizzie Nads Rorder for nothing. <laughs> Nads is the name of a waxing brand, guys, in case you're unaware. Is it Nair or is it Nads? Nads. Oh. N-A-D-S. I think, I think there's two different ones. Anyways. Anyway, let's go get you a comb and brush that thing. Fuck off. <laughs> well, I'm going to go and uh, cook dinner for the both of us and poison his dinner. So please That's excuse not true. Me. I'm having beef and pineapple. Yeah, all right. Now, listeners, I know you can't respond, but I'm okay with pineapple on pizza. And a pineapple or, on a burger. And pineapple on a burger or even like peaches or cranberries or something in a salad. Like I think fruit can be in savoury dishes. But Dean puts pineapple with rice and mince and mushrooms and I have a serious and problem zucchini. with it. And zucchini, no, you can't do that. What about capsicum, onion, Pineapple, meat, and rice. I yeah, you're trying to. It's very, very Asian esque. I think it's the mushrooms and pineapple that's getting me. I just don't think they go. Like I love, uh, what was it? The crumbed fish. Fish fingers. Mm. Love Nutella. Don't love them together. There's just some foods that shouldn't marry each other. <laughs> Nutella and fish is is just silly. Yeah, so is mushrooms and pineapple. No, it also is great. Vegemite, English muffin, and egg. Fucking anything with Vegemite can die. What a delightful trip. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. We'll uh, catch you on the next episode.